You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everyone and welcome back to Page to Stage, a conversation with theater makers. We're your hosts. That's Brian. That's Mary. To put it simply, we're both theater nerds. So let's pull back the curtain and get a glimpse at the artist's process while creating their art. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, my name is Craig Miller. I'm a hairdresser for Broadway and a freelance hairstylist. And I'm currently working on Tina Turner Broadway. Great. Awesome. So what did, what did you go to school for? So I originally went, well, my plan was originally to go to school to one day open a salon. So I took, I started to take the like traditional path. I went to uh, high school, then college uh, for like a semester before realizing I like didn't want to be in college at all um, and that you don't really need it to even open a salon. So um, I withdrew from college and started cosmetology school pretty much right away after that. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming that theater or Broadway was not on your radar at that point? Not originally, oh, not wow. at all. Um, I did do some theater stuff in school because it was an opportunity to do hair um, I went to a really small boarding school, so like everyone knew what everyone was into and stuff like that. Um, so like the teachers and stuff were even supportive of it. Like they had asked me to like do hair. They're like, "We know you like to do hair, so would you want to do it for for our shows?" And I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." But it was never like this will be my career. Not until later. <laughs> so when you got out of school, mm-hmm. what was the first step to getting your salon? Um, so when I, I actually was hired by the salon, um, before I was done with school, uh, cosmetology school. Um, I, the, the salon I worked in was owned by the same people who own the school. So I guess they kind of had their, their eye on me a little bit. Um, and they were just like, we'd love you to come like interview because, but they were like, it's kind of a formality because <laughs> we already know we want you. So I was like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And while you were there, you said that you got really interested in hair coloring and stuff like that and found a nice passion for that. Yeah. How did um, that come into your life? So originally, like, well, I've been doing hair since a really, really young age, Um, like way back when I was, I have memories from like being three years old and I had a rag doll that had yarn hair and I would braid that hair. Um, And then I would watch my mom do my sister's hair and it evolved into doing girls hair at recess. It goes back way, way far back. So I would, you know, cut hair, cut doll hair and all that, like when I was younger. So that was all kind of like deep rooted, but I didn't really start with color until cosmetology school. Um, And it was like, it was like magic. It was so cool to me how like you could like wrap something up in foil and open it up and it's an entirely different (laughs) thing. Did you ever experiment on yourself? Oh yeah. Um, my current license picture is an 18 year old picture of myself with like, I'm not going to say blonde cause it's straight up yellow <laughs> and, um, uh, it, yeah, it's still that way. It's, <laughs> it's awful. Cool. 
And how did theater enter your life? So while I was in the salon, um, my mother was friends with someone who was working at the local touring house in Hartford, um, the Bushnell. And uh, she's like, oh, I know the head of the hair department there. And she introduced me to this woman who was like, I'd love to bring you in. And I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. Like, I get to work with actors and like, maybe I could bring them into the salon and like do their hair there. And um, it'll be a cool little side hustle sort of thing for a while. Um, I love that you just said that theater would be your side hustle. Because well, <laughs> that's not... <laughs> I know. It sounds awful, right? No, it doesn't sound awful. It's just people have side hustles to support their theater right. passion. So to hear you say it is just yeah. so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Theater, theater was a side hustle at, at first. Um, I was really set on being a salon stylist. And also the shows that were coming through would run for about a week for like nine months of the year. Um, a week week per month out of nine, like nine, we'd have nine shows a year. And so for those touring houses, mm-hmm. the crew that would come with the house, mm-hmm. they wouldn't bring them in for each show, right? So what would happen is there would be part of the crew would be traveling with the show. And then part of the crew would be supplied by whatever union was there. Um, the Hartford Union uh, is, it's like all stagehands are part of one union, which is great. We like that. But um, it's it's just on the smaller side. So we don't have a separate hair department or any of that. So, And then we do this funny thing in Hartford where we match so whatever they bring with them we need to we need to employ at least that many locals um so that was kind of cool because sometimes i would end up running a track that wasn't designated to be like the local track um and that happened when jersey boys came through i ran the like head of department the supervisor track which was really cool I kind of got to show off a little bit (laughs) and so you must be meeting so many different designers coming in and out or or people that are working on the show and touring with it yeah so lots of people lots of people who are touring with it I got to like network a lot I tried to hand out my resume as much as I could because I was like slowly realizing like this is really cool like I might want to go on the road and like do something like this um it sounded horrifying at the time I was like there's no way but might as well try um yeah, and it didn't come actually. So Jersey Boys was the first show that I got like started to get like a better response, and I was I was new. Like obviously, my first show was Cinderella, and I had never touched a lace front wig before, um, which they were basically all lace fronts. And so, can you explain for any yes. listeners that don't know what a laced front wig is? Absolutely. So a lace front wig is a wig that uh, it has like a mesh type material that is on the hairline and sometimes other parts of the wig to to create like a more uh, natural look. It's um, a very fine, very fragile material and you can tie, it's, it's basically transparent um, and you can tie single hairs to it to create like a natural hairline. Um, and they're, you know, you you should be a professional to work with them for the most part. They make them, um, um, they make, like the market for them has become much bigger. So they're pretty common now. Um, although the lace fronts we use in theater are much more delicate than the ones you would buy for, say, streetwear. You mentioned working on a track. Yeah. Which was the, the supervisor track yes, for Jersey yeah. Boys. Can you explain what that is? Is it very similar to what, like, an actor track would look like? It is. Okay. Um, it's just the backstage version of it. So everything on stage is choreographed in a track, and everything, or, or even, like, the things you do crossing off stage and all that, and everything backstage is choreographed, and, and uh, it's, like, a designated track. The things that you do through the show um so for instance i 
in Tina Turner, I follow the Ike, Ike Turner track. So I do all of Ike's wig changes through Act 1 and Act 2. And then I'll pick up a couple like ensemble wig changes as well. And is it pretty standard to just have one actor that you're tracking the whole time? Or can that really vary show to show? It can vary. Um, for our show, for Tina, we have people on stage right and stage left. And then myself and the supervisor, the supervisor follows Tina and I follow Ike. And then we throw in whatever's whatever else is needed. Normally, we'll try to have uh, the person maintaining it also apply the wig. And as much as you can, keep them with the same people because then they can kind of discuss, oh, this, you know, this pinning is good. We can continue with this. Or like this piece is a little too in my face. Can we see if we can mm-hmm. tighten it up a little bit? Or there's a couple flyaways. It's easier when it's, you're working with that person directly. But it doesn't always play out that way. Sure. Yeah. So let's use Tina as mm-hmm. the example since yeah. that's the current show. So how many wigs do you maintain so for that show? In Tina... My personal track is on the smaller side because I uh, am really supposed to focus in on Ike Mm -hmm. um, and his wigs. He has four wigs and four pieces of facial hair that are all changed throughout the show because we go through many decades and uh, we're trying to show show that through hair. Um, And I have a couple other like featured ensemble roles that I I follow. Uh, Tina's manager, Rhonda, I do her hair and... Uh, Tina or Anna Mae, young Anna Mae, who is is Tina Turner's real name. She, I do her grandmother, um, which is this beautiful long like gray wig. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, the show itself, we counted recently. We ha- we clock in at a hundred six wigs per performance, which is very large, very very large. Um, and I'm assuming that does not include any swings. That's before swings. Yeah, wow. that is that is one performance. Yes, we use that many wigs in a performance. So for anyone that maybe doesn't realize, wigs are specific to each performer. Yes, not to each character. Yes. So theater wigs are generally like you do what's called a head wrap, which is similar to kind of taking like a cast of the person's head, um, and you trace out their hairline, and then. You use that cast to kind of build a wig around the shape of their head. And then the front, the lace front is uh, custom hand tied to match their hairline as best as they can. Sometimes we'll do a little bit of correcting. Sometimes we'll like keep it exactly the same. But yeah, it's made for them. And anybody who covers any of these roles has their own set of the wigs as well. So you can end up with a very large wig yeah. room. Yeah. <laughs> so how many wigs do you have for, uh, let's say one scene right Mm -hmm. there's one wig for tina during scene one let's say right how many different uh copies of that one wig do you have do you only have one or do you have ones that you alternate per performance because they're getting washed or getting uh repaired some that will happen sometimes that will have like multiple wigs for one actor like copy wigs for one actor it depends mainly on what it does during the show and in our case we don't have duplicates of any wigs at the moment um, it could, you know, it, down the line, if we see like this one's getting a little more wear and tear, maybe we'll see if we can like have a second one that we could be styling while this one's on stage or, you know, maybe we need two per performance for whatever reason. Um, like if it were to go through something traumatic, like uh, she is in a fight scene and it gets messed up and we don't want it to look messed up in the next scene, we mm-hmm. would switch the wig, something like that. But that doesn't always happen. Yeah. It's it's very special when you can have more than one of a wig. 
So how do you guys clean and maintain the wigs? Okay, so we clean lace. Because they are so delicate, yeah, like you said. Yeah, they are, they are very delicate. So um, you can wash them with normal shampoo and conditioner. Um, my like I de- We all definitely have our preferences for like what to use. Um, and you try and be very delicate with it. Now, the designer that I work with likes us to wash them on the block, which is like the mannequin that they stand on. So... The process of doing that is you wrap the block in like cellophane, like saran wrap. You block the wig, which is where you take like twill tape, which is kind of like, it's like a fabric like strip, essentially. And it's very malleable. Um, and you take small pins and you pin around the edge of the lace with the twill tape to kind of lay it all flat. And then you'll pin around like the edges behind the ears and like at the nape to keep it on the block like really well. You want it to like as little as like the tension to be as like evenly distributed as possible. Um, And then you'll kind of like dip the wig in a basin of like shampoo and water mixed together. And then you'll rinse it and dip it in a basin of uh, conditioner and water for human hair. Yeah. I was going to say, so you're using human hair for most? For most of them. Yeah. For most of them. Um, If it's not human hair, then what would it be? So if it's not human hair, we could have uh, animal hair. Like there is, we we see that sometimes that's mostly done in like, uh, like white wigs, like very like uh, character sort of things that like powdered wigs would be yak hair sometimes. Mm. And, that's an even more expensive... It's actually more expensive than human hair because it's harder to find. Um, but you treat it the same as human hair, so you could dip it in shampoo and conditioner as well. And you're leaving it out to dry overnight. How often do you, in an eight-show week, clean the wigs? We'll probably clean them every 24 performances is like the ideal amount of time because you don't want to wash them too many times. They start to wear out, They the color fades, things like that, which we don't want. The union requires us to do it every 24 performances. Mm. So that's like... What we do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's synthetic wigs, which uh, which are made of like a plastic uh, Kinecolon type material. Um, and uh, we I like to wash them in just uh, like laundry detergent because shampoos will sometimes have uh, chemicals in them that break down like very similar materials to that, that plastic. So you can eventually just start tearing, like eroding away the synthetic fiber. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's really shocking. Yeah, we're, we're putting that in our hair. Well, I mean, it's it's fine because you wanted to do that because the products we use are you know silicone based a lot of the time, so you want to get that out. But that wouldn't be good for like a okay. synthetic yeah. Yeah, wig. We, we don't have plastic hair. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, yeah. I don't at least. <laughs> so I wanted to ask what a typical day or a show day would look like for you. Okay, um, you could walk us through yeah. your process there. So typically we come in um, an hour before half hour. And in that time, we'll unblock the wigs, which we we do that every night to keep the lace nice and like flat, because that keeps the illusion that it's like growing out of their head, because um, it turns virtually transparent. So we'll we'll unblock and like touch up everything that might need like a little bit of maintenance, and then um, at half hour call, we have like our set people that we put wigs on, and then the show starts, and you kind of follow your track through the whole thing. As wigs um, are no longer used, we call that dead like a dead wig it's it's dead for this performance and we'll put it in a basket it'll go back up to the hair room to get like reblocked and redressed for the next show and then after the show we'll block all the wigs and put them in sets if they need it um we'll clean the lace 
uh, which we do with 99% alcohol because that like like rubbing alcohol because that'll help with like all the makeup and stuff that gets on the lace and preset for the next day. Um, so how late are you in the theater until? It depends. Um, we're actually not sure. With 106, I mean, that's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're actually not sure what, what our post show is going to be like for this show yet. Um, we're still establishing that because... Yeah, at the time we're recording this, they just had their first preview yesterday yes. at Tina. Yeah. Uh, so we had our first preview yesterday, October 12th, and we're due to open on the 7th, so we'll hopefully know by then. <laughs> November 7th, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really going to depend. Um, yeah. How many people are on your team? There's there's a total of five of us, which okay. is also a pretty pretty large hair room. Um, I'd say average on, on Broadway, and you know, for the shows that I've worked on, is about three. So that's, it's pretty, I mean, and we need it with that many wigs. So for anybody that doesn't get a wig, how do you guys determine who's going to get a wig, who's going to use their real hair? Mm -hmm. How does that get mapped out? I'm Uh, sure budget goes into that. Budget does go into that very much. Um, We have, I think every single character except for the children in the show wear wigs or every single actor at some point. The, we have a lot of, men in the we have a couple men in the first act that are not wigged um and then in the second act they pay they each play like a bunch of characters so we we do wig them for that um it's it's generally dictated by the designer um obviously budget plays a role but first you want to make the show look good look polished look full the stage look full um so as many times as like is needed to have those people on stage as frequently as possible to keep it feeling like wow, there's like people on stage, you know? And at one point in the process, do you jump on board in the wig team? Uh, As far as the setting up the show? Right. So do you come in during the rehearsal process and watch rehearsals at all? So this one is is slightly different because it is a transfer. Right. Um, They kind of have established characters, established looks. Um, We do make small adjustments, but um, we are, we're in the room with the designers from, day one in the theater um actually we started a week before actors were on stage just uh we do like so the wig blocks come they're just canvas so we'll wrap them in cellophane and then tape uh clear tape to keep them like nice and like protected um from moisture and like bacteria and all that that keeps them like nice and clean um we'll get all the supplies we need and all that and then we'll start getting wigs and sometimes the wigs will come cut and styled and sometimes they won't depending on whether the designer has had a chance to do that or not. Um, if they're not, like, for us, for this show, we we did do a couple haircuts on some of the wigs and, like, established styles and stuff like that. So, yeah. So normally the designer takes care of all of the the setting, and, I, I, like, the style of the wigs? Yeah. Okay. Um, I wouldn't... They they create it um and it's it's not always like it, it really depends on the show um sometimes they know exactly what it wants to look like they'll give you like research pictures and they'll be like create something similar to this and then they'll if they like it you'll maintain it that way and that that that's what my role is to like make sure it looks exactly the same every night yeah and i'm sure you guys had so much research pictures for this because it is based on yeah it's based on real life. pictures yeah yeah <laughs> real people yeah <laughs> yeah how do you book your gigs? Is it, it so? I'm going to go back a little bit. So mm-hmm. you told us when you were in Hartford area that you were handing your resumes out to yes. all the designers that, that were coming through yeah. th- that theater. Yeah. But in New York, 
is it are you following one specific designer or do you kind of like how do you book your gigs basically so well to try to backtrack a little bit i was handing my resume out to the the people who were basically me on tour they were the the track runners they were the uh supervisors and assistant supervisors and hairdressers on these shows um they had those people have relationships with the designers that they're they're working with um so I never actually, I didn't get a chance to actually speak to any designers until later on. Sometimes the designers will come out to like, say, check on the show. And that would be like a really cool opportunity to meet the designer. But that doesn't always happen because unfortunately, the designer can't always be there. Um, so I would hand out my resumes to these the the people in these tracks and in hopes that they would hand them up to their their designers. But yeah, most of the time, I, like in my history, I've, I've gotten jobs from designers I've worked with. Um, I've built a really great relationship with uh, Campbell Young and his company and and Luke, who is the American branch of his company. Campbell Young is based in England. And uh, they they keep, you know, they keep me working, which is great. I'm not familiar with Cam- Campbell Young. Yeah. Okay. Campbell Young. So it's a company? It is a company. And they're the designers mm-hmm. of the show. And then they're hiring their team underneath. Because like, I don't know, I can think of like, if you're like a scenic designer right you're gonna have your your team that's underneath you but you get to choose who you're gonna have and it's not like necessarily like the scenic designer is a company Mm -hmm. so how does that differ for hair well so it it kind of needs to be a company because they are creating okay yeah because you guys are actually manufacturing they're they're essentially manufacturing wigs yeah um i mean i don't like to use the word manufacturing with wigs because it is an art um creating a wig and there's like y- you make a wig to do what you need it to do is like the the best uh it, it's the best advice i've ever heard uh in wig building and i think that that came from tom watson who is a wig designer he he designed wicked and there, there's so many ways to make a wig they create they build they build these wigs um and you first create like the cap the the foundation of the wig and then you tie all the hair on when by the time it gets to us in the hair room uh, we're able to just maintain it. So uh, to back backtrack to what you were saying, sorry for the tangent, they will hire often the supervisor and sometimes the assistant supervisor, or they'll have an idea of who they want to work in the room. And then it, the rest of it kind of has to get approved through the company, through the show. And often the supervisor will have an idea of who they want in the room and they'll offer names and resumes and generally, generally works out how you want it to. When you're working on something that, have you ever worked on something longer than you know a couple that's like an open-ended run Mm -hmm. that that you left before they put their closing notice out yes so when i was i my first broadway show was phantom of the opera um of course they they haven't put their closing (laughs) notice out yet they have not and hopefully will not yeah they're they're gonna run forever (laughs) so how did you how did you feel like it was time to move on from phantom so how many uh, months did you work there i was there for six months um full-time and because you're not on a, a contract right or like a, a monthly contract like you, you don't no. sound like a six-month contract no. like an actor would we're kind, yeah it's not like an actor we're kind of just there until we are ready to leave or we get fired which is not easy to do <laughs> um you'd have to be making some really bad choices to get fired from a show but i was offered a, a an assistant supervisor position for head over heels um, and I, it was just something I couldn't turn down. I was, I was like, that sounds amazing. And at the time I had no idea what the show was even about, but I was like, set up a brand new show. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Check off one of your 
boxes. Yeah, yeah. Check off the dreams. It's it's pretty cool. Um, and Head Over Heels turned out to be such an amazing experience. It was probably my favorite show to date that I've ever worked on. It was just such a great like story, and uh, it was it was a great track because it was mainly about the styling and stuff. Um, I love styling. Styling is like my favorite thing to do in the hair room. Um, and yeah, it was a great crew. How many wigs were in that show? Because I felt like I've, I saw a lot of pictures where it looked like it was their real hair, hair but I yeah. could be fooled. <laughs> so we had, I think we had six wigs and three toupees that were, you know, the toupees were used just to create like a more kind of like character look for some of the male ensemble. So it was pretty small. Wow. It was it was very small. M- much smaller. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that was pretty much the same kind of role that you have now in Tina. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, although it was a much smaller hair room, there was just the, the supervisor and myself. Mm. Um, yeah. And after that closed, wh- what did you move on to next? So I left a little bit before they closed. Um, and I, I moved. That, that's that when I went to Mean Girls. Girls. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and Mean Girls was great. It, it, you know, I made some really good relationships with people there. I, uh, the performers are incredible. The wigs were really fun to work with. It's like all modern styling. So it was like being back in the salon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to actually ask yeah. you how you prepare for a more time period or stylized wig versus what would be, I guess, more contemporary or modern yeah. day. So like Mean Girls versus Phantom. Yeah. <laughs> so fortunately enough, styling technique hasn't changed at all (laughs) the the silhouettes have changed but you've been able to like we've we've always been able to get the same silhouettes essentially um i think quality of wigs and like hair pieces and stuff has gotten a little bit better but aside from that like hairdressing hairdressing is like we bring back like old styles and like adjust them slightly to make them feel more modern so in that light a roller set's a roller set you know and and the way you dress it is like that that's what kind of puts the the look on it the the time period on it when you're stepping into a show like phantom that's been running for so many years what was that experience like and you know did people pass down tips and tricks of how to handle things and or stories of you know things that have happened since the, since it first started that have changed yeah. to today um well it, it's kind of weird, first of all. It's it's it weird in the way that it's crazy to think that this show has been here for 30 years, which is longer than I've been alive. Um, I, <laughs> I think all, yeah. yeah. I like I walking into it, I'm like, this is this is crazy. And these these routines for these costumes, these wigs, these people, some of the people have been there since the beginning, and it's been the same for 30 years. Um, anybody that was on your team? No, although my supervisor had been there for a very long time, a very very I think he'd been there for he's been there for about 20 years. So and he's he's been working in theater for almost as long as the shows that that Phantom's been running. So, yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, I know he's made some changes to the show. Um they originally were all human hair wigs. Um, I don't know for anyone who's familiar with what the look of the show is. The uh, the lead Christine is in the, the lead Christine and all of the ballerinas that are in it are in these very long, like curly, curly wigs, hmm. um, and they were originally human hair. And uh, Leon has adapted them to synthetic because 
for show running purposes, it lasts, the styles last much, much longer, um, especially in long hair like that, um, which is incredible. You can get, you can get a curly style to last like two, three performances before having to really maintain it too much. Um, so lots of tips from him, Leon, um, on how to dress the wigs and, and style and the way he likes it to look. Um, a friend of mine from that hair room mentioned to me once, uh, cause it is musical theater. So there's like a little bit of campiness to it. He mentioned once that we like it to look like sixties does, uh, sixties does set 1680s or 1780s, 1880s, <laughs> 1880s. <laughs> because, uh, like bigger, bigger curls. Cause the, the 1880s were very like sort of more of a tousled curly, like updo sort of thing. Um, which doesn't have any longevity to it. You'd have to redress that immediately. Um, so 60s is a little bit more smooth. So you can get like a similar silhouette, but it's like smoothed out into like a flatter set that's still flattering for the right time period. Yeah. After a show closes like head over heels, mm-hmm. I know you said you left before you guys closed. Yes. But what happens to the wigs after the show closes? Or any any show that you've worked on? Yeah. So the wigs will the wigs belong generally to the show. Um, unless the show has done, done some sort of rental package, which uh, doesn't happen all that frequently. Um, so the designer will either buy back the wigs from the show and they can repurpose the wigs for something else. They can be cleaned well enough and will do what's called a refront, which is where you take the wig and you put a new lace front on it to make it uh, work for somebody else or a different show or something like that. Um, the the designer Campbell Young will generally make most of their wigs from scratch, but in the case that they have a lower budget or it's a shorter run, they'll they'll sometimes you know repurpose a a prior used wig. Yeah, and does that also apply to like if the show's going to go on tour, would they repurpose it for the tour, or do they have to remake a whole wig for that actor again? Now that would depend on everyone has a different head size, so you can only repurpose yeah. a wig if the head size is like relative. You can, it's easy, it's sometimes easier to make them a little bit smaller. Um, not always though. It really depends. Like if, if they can repurpose it, they will for a tour. Um, if not, they'll, they'll do it from scratch again. Sometimes the look for a tour is different. So it's, it has to be a new wig anyway. So how would a, I've never heard that before. So how would like a look be different for tour? Um, you could change the color of a wig or, um, the maybe the ethnicity is different so you just want it to be a little bit more appropriate color wise or texture wise can you think of a case where that may have happened with the show that you were in yes um head over heels um we had essentially blind casting which was wonderful um we some of our swings that played uh the the roles were originated by bonnie milligan um and the swing the understudy erica she was black so and she had these beautiful braids and we would do a similar silhouette. So we would braid her her twists, her her braids back into like a very similar silhouette, but it wasn't it wasn't the the character Pamela was a redhead. So it was a, it was a very different look sort of while while maintaining that yeah. silhouette. Yeah. yeah. For actors that don't have wigs, mm-hmm. would you have to style anybody in the theater or do you let them do that on their own? Sometimes. Um in a lot of cases, if they don't wear a wig, we'll teach them how we want them to style their hair. Um, although most of the shows that I've worked on, it's been it's been almost entirely wigged. 
as far as like if they're not wigged, it's generally like their everyday hair. Like it's just like maintain this haircut. Like those men and mean girls. Yeah, yeah. The men and a lot of the men. Well, the men. A lot of the men and mean girls end up wearing wigs. We only have like. Really. I think there's only three men that don't wear a wig. Wow. You. At some point in the I, show, I would never be able to tell. They, well, they don't look. It's it's for when it's for when they all dress up as oh, girls. Oh, okay, okay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but otherwise it's their own hair. Um, and in that case we maintain all of their haircuts. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the haircuts too. Yeah. How, how frequently do you have to give them haircuts? We generally try and do like, I, it's, it's based on opinion. Um, I believe for like a short, like men type hair, men's type haircut, it take it, like every three weeks is ideal. Um, so we just try and keep them on that schedule of like, Hey, let's, let's do a haircut soon. And you schedule it and. Is that not the case at all with females? Um, unless they're wearing their own hair in the show. Uh, the ba- the rules are basically like your hair has to fit under the wig. So if your hair is six inches longer than when we designed the wig, you might need to get a haircut if it doesn't fit anymore. Um, but the only time like it will be taken care of by the show is if they're in their uh, natural hair at some point in the show. And when do you guys do that? Is that just scheduled... So, um, outside of your normal time? Yeah. Um, so we, we will schedule it like, uh, before a show generally or before a performance. Um, and it will be before that hour before half hour call. Um, we could also sometimes do it as part of, uh, what's called work call, which is where we like, that's when we will wash and like really reset wigs. Um, we'll do that. It depends on the show, but like sometimes you'll have one or two per week that you're allowed to use. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit, you mentioned that you worked on The Deuce on HBO. Yes. What was that process like and how did that differ from theater? It was it was very different. Um, it was cool because it was set in the 80s, which was fun. Um, season three I worked on. Um, and I did just, uh, I think I did just like five days of it. And I would do it before call for Mean Girls. And so it was really early mornings, but wow, yeah, it was it was pretty Long wild, days. yeah. But they they had some basically they it, I I worked in the background hair department, so we there's a head of the department and he calls in the pe- as many people as he wants for that day, um, and the background people are sitting kind of like in the room, almost like a waiting area, and they kind of just walk through and get their hair, get their makeup done, and then their final check and like good to go. Um, so that we're kind of given like, uh, books of also like research, like this is kind of like the time period we're in right now, like try and make it look similar to this. Um, if you're not sure, you're always able to ask the, the person in charge and, uh, get some like help, but it's kind of fun. Cause it's almost like you're designing on the fly. You didn't yeah. do any wigs at all for the deuce. There are a few wigs, but we, it's mostly their own hair. Okay. See, I'm just, maybe you know this, this has been something that I've always thought of when yeah. watching TV, but you know how like in theater you could kind of see that lace that comes over the front and yeah. it's glued to their forehead? Yeah. How do you, because I know that sometimes that's the case with film and TV too, Yeah. but how does it get hidden so well? So there are many different types of lace. Um, there's lace that we use in the back of the wig. Um, we call it foundation lace. It's a much thicker, like it doesn't disappear at all. It's literally just like there's fabric there. Um, and that, that will generally go in the back of the wig uh, to, to get like the bulk of the wig done. Um, and then when you move forward to like the hairline, there there's different like densities almost. 
Um, some are thicker and more resilient, and then you can get very, very fine to the point that it's not even quite able to be picked up by an HD camera, um, which is pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, that, that's amazing. I mean, I can see the pores in some of these actors' faces, yeah. and you can't see the lace that's sitting on their, yeah. their forehead. Is it? It's glued down, I'm sure? Um, in theater, sometimes we'll glue it down. Not always, especially oh, okay. if they're changing, because gluing yeah. and taking someone out of a wig quickly is not fun. <laughs> but it, it happens. Um, and then TV, normally they will be glued, for sure, um, to keep it like nice and laid down. But often to the uneducated eye, you can't even tell that there's lace. Can you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, for the most part. Uh, I'd like to believe I can at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always wonder with Tootsie, I don't know if you've seen Tootsie, and how often Santino goes in and out of that wig. Yeah. And then there's a moment for anyone who hasn't seen Tootsie yet where he's taking it off and on on stage in like in the scene and i'm just it's just it's pretty incredible and he's talked about how many like how how many quick changes he has to do in one show and how many people he has to help yeah. him so do you guys also with like quick changes or with like anything that has to do with like a complete transformation like on a stage have you had experience with that um or quick even, changes or, yeah oh yeah lots of them um with with ike we have many quick changes um we have uh seconds to get him out of one look and into another and with facial hair you have to glue it so we're, we're just like ripping it right off his face and putting some new stuff on um and you, you have to be like you know ruthless <laughs> yeah how do you guys put the because fa- i don't usually think about facial hair when i think about wigs and stuff like that yeah. so how do you apply the facial hair so the facial hair is built very similar to a hairline um it is you kind of you can take a head wrap of it as well or like kind of like a chin wrap or like a you know like the lower facial area wrap and uh you build you ventilate it is the process of like single strands uh being tied to the lace at a time um you ventilate it in directions to mimic you know the grain of hair and it's just like a a raw edged piece of lace that you just kind of stick on like a sticker (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh so you you're not applying like glue or anything. You do apply glue. Oh, you yes. Do. Oh, yeah. Okay. You put like you put glue roughly where you're gonna put the the facial hair wig. It's and... gotta feel great. Yeah. <laughs> and then you <laughs> stick it. You stick it on. There's glue specifically designed for this. But yeah. Now for people that may grow facial hair pretty quickly. Yeah. Right. How does that work? You know, if you're doing a two show day and by the end of the sh- second show you've got some shadow there. They have to shave it. They have to shave it. They have it. to shave it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because the glue will not work. Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's another thing is like my role as as my role in the theater is to is to maintain the look of the show. So if you're supposed to be shaven or you have a mustache that, you know, it needs to stick on your face, you need to shave. And and that's kind of that's where, where I have to be the bad guy. And I'm like, go shave. <laughs> go go fix your face. <laughs> yeah. How often do you have resistance? Um because Oh my god! Often, when well, I have to shave for something, yeah. I hate having to shave I, for shows. Yeah, and I feel like, bad doing it, and I understand why. But we oh, can't. I'm always like, can we do it like every two or three performances? <laughs> because I mean, you can work. You can work it out sometimes yeah. where it's like, it, it, if it becomes an issue, is when I like to wait. I like to wait until it's like, well, like we're we're not getting the result we need. We need to change this. So you know, let's 
let's be adults about this and just like let's let's make it work for the show <laughs> yeah so do you have any goals i mean right you've just kind of started with with tina yeah on broadway and so what i mean looking ahead what is something that you would love to see yourself doing looking in your ahead i would love to design like be like a full-time designer for shows and 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 tv and film um as like an end goal sort of thing um i also would really love to develop a product line i have uh some ideas for some great product, in my opinion, great products that I'd, I'd like to see on, in the market. Do you make products at home for yourself? I don't. Okay. But, but I have, I have favorite products and it's very specific. I don't, I don't stick with one brand. I have like, like very specific products from many brands that I like will like gravitate towards. So I'd like to develop something that's, uh, something that kind of ties the things I like about these products together. Um, the structure of hair is very, very interesting to work with. Um, you have the, it, it has multiple layers. It has the medulla, which is the center, the cortex, which is like kind of what gives the hair its texture. And then the cuticle, which is like a protective shell-like layer. Um, and the way you manipulate these through products and heat styling and and roller sets and all of that uh, is, is how you get a style or even a haircut um, and, and color as well. Um, so it it's very interesting to me, like the science behind hair to to one day hopefully develop my own things that manipulate that <laughs> um what's your favorite time period to style my favorite time period to style 70s easily mm-hmm. it's um it's all about the haircuts and i actually to tag on to this i did just uh i was an associate designer for almost famous musical um hopefully coming to broadway in the spring hopefully fingers crossed <laughs> um but it was really cool we had about 40 wigs which is also a pretty large show um and I did a lot of the haircuts and colors for it. Now, I like 70s because it's mostly about the haircuts. It's not as much about roller sets or styling or all that. It's it's about, like, getting the right shape um, just in the hair naturally. And that was really fun to work with. We usually ask our guests as a final question, what is the last great piece of theater that you've seen? Okay. Um, the most recent one, oh, I saw Hades Town. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It was absolutely incredible. I like cannot wait to go back and see it again. Um, I was like, I had chills. Like I was the whole time. I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. I was crying. I was sweating. I was like, it was so good. <laughs> yeah. And if anybody wants to follow you on social media, where can they follow you? You can find me on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is incredible underscore hair. <laughs> I love puns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It actually used to be, it used to be Craig's sunny side up, <laughs> but I was like, maybe a little bit more professional than that. Uh, yeah. Keep it on brand. Yeah. Keeping it on brand. Great. Well, thanks so much for yeah, coming on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. All about hair and wigs. Yeah. Absolutely. We learned Thank so much. You. Yeah. And go see Tina. Go see Tina. Yes. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs> thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Page to Stage. To keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Page to Stage Podcast. And if you're enjoying these conversations, we would really appreciate it if you could take a couple minutes to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time. That's Brian. That's Mary. We'll see you later. Bye.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 